Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Sample Adventures. Okay, I keep on I keep on wanting to say all the things because this is like the first one that I've been able to participate in. So I'm super excited. So obviously, so my name is Tom. You all know me from the podcast and everything else. We're here to play Beam Saber, a Forged in the Dark game by Austin Ramsey, who is going to be running the game for us. So this has been on my list of games to play for a very long time. So I'm very excited to play. So enough about, you all know why we're here. We're going to play a cool game. So let's just, you know, talk about who we are before we dive into the game. First, I'm going to start with Jake, because if you've seen any game with me, you've probably seen Jake as well. Jake, hello. Hi, I'm Jake. Uh, I'm Tom's best friend. That's... But he, he's he's not my best friend. I, I workshopped that earlier, and it... <laughs> <laughs> I'm your greatest friend. All right, so um, yeah, yeah, no, Jake, that's it. I yeah, I stream on the RPG Academy. I stream video games. I'm very boring. Clutch. MVP, MVP. Okay, I don't make exciting things. You you make me laugh, Jake. So Ooh. that is good. All right, so okay, so then we'll hop over to to Mo. Mo, introduce yourself. What's up? My name is Mo. Uh, I can. I'm also a game designer. I made a Fortune Dark game uh, anime style called Shibuyan Knights. Um, I have another game coming out in a couple months called Hold Fast Station. And you can find out all information on all that at ashyfeet.com. Awesome. All right. And then we're going to round things off with Austin. Austin, introduce yourself. And then after that, I'm turning it over to you. And you're going to tell us all about Beam Saber and what we're doing tonight. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Austin Ramsey. My pronouns are he and him. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at not an in. That's N-O-T-A-N-I-N-N. And you can find all of my game design work at austin-ramsey.itch.io, uh, which includes what we're going to be playing today, Beam Saber, which is a Forge in the Dark game about pilots and their massive war machines. So... We have done some character creation beforehand, and we've got a crew that is real interesting. Bunch of characters here tonight. So I think we should probably start by introducing our characters. So when I come to you, give your name, give your call sign, give your character's pronouns, their look, their history, their tragedy, and their opening. Because once we go through all of that, I'm going to have y'all come up with connections for each other, which is what your characters think of the other pilots. So, um, Tom, why don't we start with you? Okay, I'll do it. All right. So I will be playing Eric Ziegler tonight. Eric's call sign is Pops, and Eric uses he, him pronouns. Uh, Eric is a, he's a rough looking man. He's older, but at the end of the day, his eyes are warm and welcoming. He's got a, a very much an old man style hair part. He's got a, basically, if you're watching this, Eric kind of looks like me, but in like 15 years, if you can kind of think about that. Okay. Um, you know, it's kind of a outfit. He's a very practical looking fellow. All right. Uh, Eric's a bureaucrat. I didn't mention that. And history pilot trainer for the dfs 
DFS. Uh, awesome. Remind me again, what does DFS stand for? Because I did write it down, but... <laughs> it's the Democratic Federated Systems. It's the Democratic uh, off-worlder faction that has uh, come to our, our setting today. Yeah, so yeah... Eric wanted to make it big as a pilot, but all he could do was train the other pilots. You know what? His strategy, he lost his family to the job. He poured everything in to what he was doing, and it just didn't work out for him. And then he started slumming it up with his opening, which is he wound up, washed out of DFS, and got stuck teaching rich kids how to pilot mechs. It was absolutely the worst for him. And that's. That's who Eric is. Okay. So, Mo, why don't you introduce us to your character next? My name is Yafet Munro. Uh, my call sign is Kodo. People thought it was cute that uh, my name, I was named after that uh, 80s movie star uh-huh. from the 20, 20th century and all that. I'm young and brash and willing to try anyway. Um, I have a streak of optimism in me because I was a survivor of a bomb shelter, but I'm also pretty clingy to the dogs because, well, they're my family now. I was a teen before the tragedy, and now um, my opening is I'm a bit of a hoarder and collector of things. All right. Jake, tell us about your pilot. All right. My character's name is Leon Wolf. My call sign is Gamble. Uh, My pronouns are he, him. Uh, For my look, kind of like a clean face. I have very sharp eyes. My hair is long and wavy and black. Body type athletic, you know, because it's a role-playing game, so I get to be whatever I want. (laughs) And then my outfit, it's all dark, you know, it's got the the classic emo style clothings, you know, because I'm a hacker, so I just lean into it. Um, History was, I'm the child of a smuggler, like my family were smugglers. And then my tragedy, they actually gave me up. They kind of sold me up for servitude to help pay off debt. And my opening is I'm now working at that same school as Eric's character. I I work there as the the IT guy. Okay. All right. And something actually that I forgot to ask you all to introduce is your drives. So when uh, we're going to go over your connections with each other, because everyone gets one connection with the other pilots and one belief that expresses something that they believe in their gut is true about the other person. It might not be true. You know, pilots tend to be uh, judgy and opinionated individuals because it's a necessary thing to go with your gut on the battlefield. So um, you, each of you is going to have one connection and one belief with the other pilots. And uh, we'll introduce those. Those will help guide how you will role play with the others and if you struggle because of them then you will get xp at the end of the session so coming back around pops what are your belief what are your beliefs with the other two one each okay so for leon worked with them before but i think all right this is remember i think in my ha- mind that leon is responsible so i'm gonna teach them some useful loopholes you know to help them help them get through life all right and then for yafet i believe their need to collect is holding them back from their true potential all right okay so kodo tell us about what you think of the other two I think Gamble is super cool. 
he's got pirate parents and like <laughs> that just means he's cool and uh pops is totally no fun like always getting preachy and always like doing the teacher sermon thing and you know i mean he he's cool but you know tries way too hard tries way too hard <laughs> all right and lastly gamble what do you think of these two I'm going to just steal some of the, the pre-written ones because I, I really like them. And so for Pops, uh, I want to do that they're computer illiterate, and I'm going to fix that because <laughs> I feel like Tom is in general also computer illiterate. A little bit. Uh, and then I like um, – because I pre-read, so I know uh, what um, Koto's drive is. And so I found their digital secrets and I'm going to connect it to his drive. I don't want to step on it yet, but I know what it is. And maybe I know something about it. All right. Well, speaking of drives, Gamble, what is yours? Oh, mine. Yes. Sorry. I have to, I'm Gamble. Oh, I didn't get uh, my drive either. <laughs> so my drive is to develop a virus that can control any mech remotely. Right. And Koto, what's your drive? You know, people need power. And, you know, it seems like everybody, all of these factions are really fighting over power. And I, I want to develop a low profile generator, no heat, no noise, no radiation. And, you know, I think that actually cost peace because then you don't need to work for the factions and da, 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 da. <laughs> question mark question mark question mark peace no 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 you can you can ignore the rest i'll keep talking <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Pops, what's your uh, drive? So I had teach a worthy generation of pilots, and that's not, it's a little vague there. So what we're going to do is my drive is to teach Leon and Yafet to be worthy pilots in my eyes. Okay. So so what drives do? Uh, because this is going to be a one-shot, they won't be too much of a factor. But what they do over long-term play is that when you pursue your drive during a mission, at the end of the mission, or if you do a long-term project during downtime, you have to add one tick to one of your drive clocks, which you can see below your drive. Once a drive clock fills with four ticks, then you can spend it. If you spend one clock, then there's some narrative. mechanical benefits you can do like you can negate any harm or damage you can change any role to a six or you can provide all of the assist benefits to a teammate without spending any stress if you spend two drive clocks in one go then you can change the circumstances of any one person what that means is purposefully vague because it allows the players to adjust what their drive can do and what they can do to the tone of the game but when you change the circumstances of any one person that might mean that they are as good as dead or just dead or you protect them from the war forever maybe you get to retire away from everything the possibilities are pretty far-reaching if you spend three drive clocks you can change the circumstances of a squad a small group of people who you're able to really either make your life a lot better make it a lot worse or just slide them sideways in some fashion and if you spend four drive clocks, then you can change the circumstances of an entire faction, reshape a nation in some way. But as you'll note, each of you only has two on your character sheet. So you would have to convince one or more of the other pilots to spend their hard-earned drive clocks to support your actions if you want to change the circumstances of a squad or faction. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's sort of what the long-term goal play is like for Beam Saber. We're going to be changing nations. Potentially. With our junkyard mechs. Or maybe you only spend two drive clocks and make sure you get a good retirement. Forget the other two. Yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, or maybe you spend those two drive clocks to save someone else. Okay. So that is the sort of baseline of uh, your characters. And so we uh, came up with a squad real quick. So y'all are playing the Mechanized Cavalry Playbook. Uh, which puts an emphasis on your vehicles. Uh, and the name of your squad is the Dogs, because you work out of a scrapyard, which is your forward operating base, and you have the reputation for being messy. Like dogs. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of we get it done. Some people like us, like a lot, and a lot of and other people hate us, just like dogs. They're not even human. Not we're not we're not even human. <laughs> All right. So presumably one of those groups that does like you is Doctors Beyond Stars, or at the least they've heard reasonably good things about you. So Doctors Beyond Stars are an off-worlder group that is not directly involved in the conflict. They're actually an independent squad. They don't work for any one faction because they try and provide medical aid and support to anyone who has been harmed by the war, regardless of what their faction is. They consider themselves neutral in uh, providing aid to all. And so they are going to be your employer for the mission. So where are each of you in your base when the call comes in from uh, the doctors that uh, they've got a task for you? So where are you hanging out? So... Uh, you know, I'm gonna let I want to I want to before I go, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Yafet or Leon go first. Uh, Yafet is under the hood of, of, of a mech and uh, he's ratcheting and drilling and uploading cool code and uh, you know, in his happy place. Nice, I, I think I'm probably in the same room near bouts. Uh, I might be, you know, helping with the AR and whatever of the, the mech that he's working on or my own stuff. But I feel like me and Kodo actually probably will have a lot in common. And actually, probably the bureaucrat would be like our, our secretary, like, oh, we got a mission, boys. And like, <laughs> we're just down there, you know, having fun, living our best lives down there in the mm-hmm. grease pits. Okay, I got it. I got it. All right. So if you all have ever been in any sort of workshop or grungy automotive place, you know that there's always like some desk with like way too many papers piled on manuals that should have been thrown out years ago. And in these stacks sits, sits Eric. He's got sits in his squeaky wheelie chair and he's got his legs kicked up on the desk with a cup of the hottest, nastiest black coffee. And where he should be doing his inventories, he's reading the news. <laughs> I'm definitely imagining that he's got like a cup of uh, coffee that is so gross that sometimes it gets mistaken for like the, the oil changed out from one of the mechs. Yeah, for sure. This cup has never been washed. Ugh. all those open air fumes and yeah. floating particles <laughs> oh, yeah. Good great stuff. yeah uh so i guess the um 
you you get a notification that there is a call coming in from the Doctors Beyond Stars. So who who's picking up? And do you? Well, I guess where's your briefing room? The desk. Is, is, is the whole base at this point, because y'all are just kind of starting off as a tier zero squad, is this like one room where your vehicles are kept? Is that like the extent of what you've no, made no, usable? No, no, we have, no. We, we have a junkyard. So we have like little areas set, uh, sectioned off for each of our mechs. And people often come to buy parts and sell parts. And uh, I don't think, I, I think we, we kind of leave all that to Pops. Yeah, we've got maybe, you know what, AR is like a, that's like a real big thing, right, Austin, in this game? Yeah, so augmented reality is uh, pretty spread throughout the entire continent. It does have a tendency to get broken in areas that have been damaged by the war or being poorly maintained since the war got here, but it does exist pretty far and wide. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking like maybe in this is like our big, our main area where maybe you can bring in a mech or two to work on and our offices. But yeah, the, I feel like the desk in the center, it's all junky, but when the call starts coming through, uh, uh, dang it, as I spill some of my coffee on me and I put it on the, and Leon, Leon, flip the, flip the, flip the AR rig on. All right, fine. And I'm just envisioning like this where we have this junky scrapyard, but we have a really, really nice looking AR system that just kind of like our, almost like our shop is kind of like almost transformed as there's Mm -hmm. screens that are now thrown up everywhere as I stand up and I'm, all right, boys got a call coming in, wrap up what you're doing, huddle up. One sec, one sec. Okay. Five minutes. Um, Just patch it through. All right, all right, you keep on. All right, I'm going to let the call come through. All right. So uh, the voice of Dr. Denari Golian comes over over the line in, in a place that w- would be better uh, maintained than the area that your scrapyard is in. It might be a video call or even a hollow call, but because of the damages to infrastructure that have ravaged the area, you've only got voice. And so his voice comes over and he says, hello, is this the dogs? That's what we're going by nowadays. All right. I've had it on good word that you all can provide pretty good escort services. Is that true? Depends on who's asking. Uh, I'm calling on behalf of Doctors Beyond Stars. You might have heard of us. Oh, I'm going to start stabbing my fingers right away. Almost like trying to be quiet, looking at Leon. Like, look, like, look him up, like, look him up. (laughs) <laughs> looks like Kodo's heard of them but maybe these two haven't Kodo do you know something about the Doctors Beyond Stars I think D is one of my contacts is a surly professor who works with Doctors Beyond Stars and uh, I think one of their doctors is um, pretty cute alright yeah so um Dr. Golian starts to starts to lay out what he and the doctors need from you. Uh, and so I'm just going to read the briefing for uh, the mission. So as this is um, the sample adventure for the uh, RPG Academy, 
we're going to be doing one of the sample adventures that's right in the Beamsaver Core rulebook. So there are six in the rulebook, six different sample adventures, because they vary depending upon who your patron faction is. So the dogs being an independent faction, so we're doing the independent introduction mission. So the briefing is, your squad has been dragged into a flare-up of the war between the Jovengelian Empire's Wolfpack squad and the Church of the Celestial Myriad's Cult of Earth Found. A week ago, a series of explosions ripped through Fort Jovenel, the new home of the recently transferred Wolfpack. The Wolfpack, on leave from the front lines, has been devastated and are taking the attack very personally. Rumor has it that the attack was tied to the Cult of Earth Found, who have set up in the small town of Hollanton, a couple hours' drive south of Fort Jovenel. Hotheads on both sides of the rumors are slinging vitriol over the radio. Yesterday, that switched to missiles when a barrage rained down on Hollanton from the north of town. The cult's defensive systems protected the sections of the town under their control, but the north edge of town is burning. Both sides are now gearing up for major offensive action. The Doctors Beyond Stars have rushed from their Izian HQ in Journey City to Hollanton to provide aid. It's an ill-prepared endeavor, but time is of the essence to save as many lives as possible. To handle any unexpected obstacles, they've contracted you to provide protection and ensure they're able to complete their duty. So, Dr. Golian has laid out that you are needed to get them from Journey City to Hollanton and then provide some protection while there so that they can start to arrange, a, if not a more permanent position in the area of destruction, then at least get enough people to places of safety and tend to the wounded temporarily. I slide into the room and you see me rub my fingers together. I'm like, Kodo, yet. Yeah. All right. What do we- all right, they're doctors. What are we thinking? What do we think? We just take them for all they're worth? Unless Dr. Pamela Greer's with them, I'm, I, we need to absolutely get paid. Okay, all right. I've well, always wanted to meet her. Well, Leon, you got, uh, your, did your parents, your parents teach anything about this, this kind of negotiation? Or I know you were telling me that they, hold on, I go back. Uh, Doc, one second. We were discussing some details here. All right. Um, it, I mean, I don't know what. There are a bunch of doctors who do charity work. I don't think you're going to get that much out of them. Word. All right, hold on, uh, Doc. Doc, what's this? Uh, we yeah, for sure. We I've got some friends down in Hollington. Um, yeah, it's going to be no problem. But obviously, there's expenses, fuel, uh, weapons. If we're going to be running into anything, you know, we got to keep the lights on here at the old scrapyard. Uh, what's kind of which, what kind of funds do you guys have right now? Well, unfortunately, we are a charity, a charitable organization. And so we can't pay much, but we, can cer- we certainly have a lot of contacts from our charitable efforts. And so we can put in a good word with uh, some of the people we know who might be better able to help you out or possibly provide lucrative contracts in the future. So you're going to pay us an exposure, Yes, so that other people don't die of it. Okay. Uh, I need to discuss it with my crew. So just side note about the rules here is that in Beam Saber, when you complete a mission, you get a supply roll at the end as your payout. Yeah. It's a it's a random die roll depending upon how much your patron how much your employer likes you and uh based upon the 
the how powerful your opposition for the mission was. But if you work for an independent faction, they don't have the kind of logistical networks that the interstellar off-worlder factions do. So they actually can't pay except in reputation. Oh, okay. So if you want to find any sort of payday here, any sort of supplies uh, at the end of this, it's going to be stuff that you scavenge from the mission itself, whether you're loading up your cargo bays with like ill-gotten gains, swiping, you know, pulling rings off of the dead or whatever dire circumstances parking out mix yeah Yeah. so this is a right so this is a normal job yeah okay (laughs) all right you know what you know you know boys it's about time we get you guys back in the field again i got some new things i want to show you some new tips and tricks get leon get you get you get you out from behind the keyboard you know actually doing real work you know it was real work for for gramble to set up like this high-end vr system you know yeah I know. yeah well is... you're sitting back there reading a newspaper kodo is arms deep in your mech when's the last time you've done diagnostics on your own mech it's been a long time that's because i do it in the field i'm a field guy you know i gotta be out there at i can feel it also he's we don't totally... we don't need to do it on a day we'll do uh, it in the field all right, yeah. we'll do it in the field okay he's, this is totally a, <laughs> this is totally a boomer moment he's just not recognizing your worth that you're bringing okay all right doc we'll take the job that's excellent to hear we'll be by shortly with our um with our transport and then we'll head down south towards hollington where we're needed okay is this where we now do a cool like scene where we like run to our mechs for a really no, no. long we time? We gotta do our cool one liner first, where we say, "If you're going after a wolf pack, time to let out the dogs." Oh! <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So before we get to the mission proper, each of you can do a quick little gather information roll here. So think about what information you might want to get and how you're going to get it. There's no risk with uh, with these rolls unless you do something notably risky, but usually they're they're just fortune rolls, so there's no consequences for them. Who has an idea of what they might want to do, rather, what they might want to learn before the doctors show up? Or possibly even on the way? I, I think the big thing that I would be looking at is... Um... I don't know, numbers uh, possibly of the factions that are warring so we can get an idea of if we are probably going to run into something or if their numbers are so low, it's going to be easier to slip in and out. Okay, and how do you want to try and find that information out, Gamble? I'm not sure what what kind of options would I have to do such a thing. Honestly, most anything that might be represented by your player actions or by your pilot actions or vehicle actions... Like, if you wanted to, like, go ahead of everyone a little bit and, like, scan using your vehicle sensors or go on foot and do likewise, maybe you find, like, look up some paperwork to see what, like, old intelligence reports have on the Cult of Earth found or uh, on Hollington itself. Maybe you check maps. Like, it, the sky's the limit just about. So I could use, like, a study, right, to go and look at, like, the, the net for any kind of information about the cults and whatever yeah exactly all right so that's what i'll do i'll do a study all right so you're looking up whatever info is available already via study 
So make a study roll. What's your rating in study? I have a two. So you get to roll 2d6. All right. Here we go. 2d6. That's a 10. Like other Forge in the Dark games, uh, you take the highest die result. So six. So six, which is great. The, the die results are broken up into three chunks. One to three, which is a not, oh, which is a poor result. Four or five, which is average. And six, which is a good result. On a fortune roll, which is what a gather information check is, a six means you get great information. Other than a crit, it's the best you can do. Uh, and so what you learn about the Cult of Earth found is that they are a pretty well-supplied squad. You know, they have been searching for humanity's holy birthplace for a long time, well before this planet was found. And so whether or not it is actually the original Earth, they have a lot uh, staked in this place. And so they've been pouring a lot of resources in here. That said, this is, they just suffered an attack. And so they're probably at least somewhat twitchy about what is happening and likely have a perimeter set up. Now, some of those might be further north towards where the area, towards where the area controlled by the churches of the Celestial Myriad borders, the area controlled by the Jovengelian Empire. But there's definitely going to be a fairly strong presence around Hollington itself. Sweet. All right. So Koda or Pops, do either of you have something you want to try and learn before you get rolling? So I would like to maybe keep the doctor on the line for a little bit longer. And I'm going to use my consort ability to just kind of have a conversation with them to have they ever been to Hollington before? Like, what's the why is this like such a such a spark point, you know, in this conflict? Is there something special about Hollington that we may not know? Yeah, okay. Roll your consort, which is a two. A six, yes. Man, we're killing it tonight, boys. Yeah, it's, uh, you're making good progress so far. All right, so uh, Dr. Golian, uh, he says that he hasn't been to Hollington himself, but obviously he has done some research with this upcoming mission. Um, and he did research on the Isian air, uh, continent more specific, like generally before coming here because uh, he, he is an off-worlder. And actually, since we're asking about the geography itself, how many of you are from Isia, like, or this planet, or even from Journey City, or how, are you all off-worlders? I'm definitely an off-worlder. I, I did a lot of traveling and stuff with the DFS. Right, yes. Feeling like, since I was a smuggler child, I probably don't even know where I actually come from. Like, it's just, I was bouncing around so much, pretty much lived, you know, through jumping around planet to planet and and smuggling things okay and i'm from journey city you are from journey city okay so yeah uh what you pick up about hollington from the doctor uh is that it has become sort of the main uh through point for the church of the celestial myriads forces because there it's not their their main city on the continent that would be blessed harbor which is further to the southwest but with hollington it's sort of close to a pass that goes through the mountains that go uh north south across the continent 
And so it makes a good place as like a, a stopover between Blessed Harbor and Journey City and the front for that matter. So a fair bit of forces have been built up around there or passed through there. Uh, but the town itself is like a medium-sized town that originally catered to nearby farming communities and tourists from Journey City. But with the Celestial Myriad military moving through the town, basically anyone who hasn't like fled or if they were fit for service, then they got scooped up. And so now the town is mostly just the old and the young. Okay. And uh, it's sort of become a like semi-ghost town because the elderly still provide services to the military of the myriad that are present. But the AR representations of people still linger in the town. These are known as proxies. Pretty much everyone has them. They're sort of like each person's own Siri or Alexa. Proxies are AR entities that have a broad knowledge and skill set, but is, are very shallow in those abilities. You know, you can program them to know when to move a call, like through to your meeting, like even if you're in a meeting, they can form simple email replies, set your alarm, that sort of thing. But when left untended, they can start to go a bit wonky and a bit weird and sometimes even dangerous. And so there are some concerns that that might be happening in Hollington because so many people got shipped out so fast that a lot of their proxies got left behind in the local AR. So there are the occasional ghosts of people who are absent wandering through the streets, confused and alone. Gotcha. Jake, sounds like you may get an opportunity to be a necromancer in this game, <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. Sounds. This is, uh, what I'm gathering is Journey City is kind of like Chicago and Hollington's kind of like St. Louis. So, all right. Anyway, for us Midwest folks. All right. I think I want to check out any satellite systems that might be picking up traffic of how many rigs are actually in the area. So a note about the setting, actually, is that part of the reason space elevators are so important is because there's a debris field that orbits the planet. And so no satellites are really available. Like cell service basically isn't a thing because of that. Got it. Sometimes satellites get put up, but they don't last long, whether that's because, you know, one faction or another's like ships outside of the debris field, shoot them down and further add to the debris field or the debris field itself takes them out. But there could be other ways that you could get aerial imagery. Maybe, you know, someone who has like a drone fleet that they rent out for aerial scouting or something to that effect. I'm going to be rolling on engineer. So that sounds appropriate. Okay. So, give me that engineer roll, whatever yours is. Okay, so I'm going to roll two, d6, no pluses, and I got a six. Another six. All right. <laughs> Let's get these sixes out the way. Yeah, so some bad things so can happen game. going forward <laughs> once you're actually in danger. <laughs> All right, so great information about uh, satellite imagery. So essentially, like, how many units are there? Uh, how heavy are they? I'm thinking about countermeasures of some sort. So to build on what uh, Gamble was able to learn from uh, studying the, the existing information on, on the cult, you can see that 
most of the forces that were in Hollington have moved northward, presumably to the area where the missiles were launched from, or possibly to block an incoming Jovengelian offensive from the north. Uh, at the same time, a number of them have moved east away from Hollington, a smaller group, mind you, just to dissuade anyone from uh, the adamant council of Nor in the lands to their east from trying to take advantage of this situation. But there's still a pretty strong defensive perimeter around Hollington itself, but there are definitely gaps in that perimeter if you wanted to try and bypass any sort of security checkpoints, which you definitely see on the road. Because there is a major road that leads from Hollington to Journey City. Uh, Celestial Myriad frequently uses it to move troops and goods to the main city with that road. I think you also probably spot some side roads that have been poorly maintained in the time since the off-worlders came to the continent. Uh, so that, that option is also there for you. And we're trying to get into town because a part of town has is is not being protected yes we have to get doctors in got it yeah yeah so at this point each of you has done a gather information role so now you have two options you can either move ahead with the mission or you can do additional gather information roles if there's more things that you want to learn but if you do so i will start moving things forward behind the scenes i'm good to move forward let's move forward uh, can we talk about our, our rides? You're muted, Tom. Whenever I want to take a good old guzzle of some H2O, I make sure to mute myself and then I forget. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I was about, I'm just saying I'm totally good to move forward. We are people of action here. <laughs> I was asking, uh, what vehicles do you guys have? I would already know this, but I have a VI 2450. It looks like a giant firefly with scanners on its head. Oh, that's what sick. do you guys have? Is that like, real quick though, is that like a. It's like is that like a more of like a flying vehicle or is that like a it is absolutely a flying vehicle. Okay. I have what they call an armored front tactical training rig. This is a training robot that I have outfitted to, you know that who's that who's outfitted? That uh, that you have outfitted, you know. Um, <laughs> that um that over time it has now come to be what I want it to be. Maybe I stole this from the rich kids that I was training before coming over here. And it's you know older, it's an older looking model, but it's got some bells and whistles underneath, and it's extremely clean, you know. Pops his whole desk is maybe a mess, but his robot is like his mech is priceless. Sorry. And it, it, it is ground-based or does it fly? Oh, it's ground-based. Okay. Well, I have uh, made by the company JT Express LLC, the Mr. Lifted. Uh, so I've taken this like bay loader, like, you know, heavy mech to like lift crates onto ships and stuff. And I have retrofitted it. So it's an older industrial bay loader on the outside, but it's equipped with weapons galore on the inside. And uh, I feel like it's good for my kind of background of smuggling and, you know, this hacker idea of like hiding in plain sight. And so like from the outside, nobody would think like, oh, this thing's packing heat. But that's that's what the, the dogs are so good at. And plus, I can also use it in the scrapyard to uh, <laughs> move stuff around as needed. <laughs> Don't make the dogs drop a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> all right no that that's going at you putting a checkbox in there mo you got you got, you got one more all right okay 
All right. Well, since you mentioned you, you took a training neck. Oops, yeah, it's a little that's, big. I, I think that was like kind of the art. It's a very simple looking mech, you know, nothing fancy. Yeah, this is this is actually um, it's great that you picked the DFS because this is this one. The Bella song is actually the DFS is a grunt suit. Perfect. So it's a good fit for what you described, I think. Cool. With that, we'll start with planning the mission. So we've got your employer, which is the Doctors Beyond Stars. Your target is going to be the Cult of Earth Found. Your objective is get a group of Doctors Beyond Stars personnel into North Hollanton so they can assess and treat damage to the civilian populace. You have rules of engagement. So your rules of engagement are only use force in self-defense, no looting, requisitioning, stealing, and or destroying civilian, commercial, and or governmental property. What? And no threatening or employing force against civilians. So if you break the... So here, here's the thing. Here's a little advantage of uh, working for an independent squad. Is that your rules of engagement, these are things that if you break them, you're not going to fail the mission. What happens is, is that you lose trust with the faction that is employing you. But independents technically aren't a faction so if you break these rules of engagement you're not actually costing yourselves any trust because they don't track trust all right we'll keep it on the dl you know (laughs) regardless they the doctors beyond stars might hear about you uh looting from civilians but they not a whole lot that they can do about it yeah we we take what we need nothing more Nothing less, that's for sure. (laughs) So the next step is we have to decide what everyone's pilot load is going to be. So your vehicle loads are decided beforehand during character creation because those are very firm things. You know, it's uh, they don't change around between missions like pilot load can because pilots can just change their outfits, drop gear off. But it's pretty hard to turn a Porsche into a big rig, right? (sighs) So if you want to change from a light vehicle to a heavy vehicle, there's a lot more involved. So what are your pilots going to be carrying? Light, medium, or heavy? And so what that means is that the heavier you are, the more versatile you're going to be because you have more gear options, but you're going to be more conspicuous and you're going to be less nimble. I'm going to go with light because I feel like that matches my my deal. And I'm going to go with medium. I'm also going to go medium as well. I'm going medium as well. You know, he's not, I'm not carrying a full on backpack, but you know, pops, you know, he's, you know, old, old guys, they always are prepared. So they just are. All right. So mark off on your character sheets that you've got a medium load and a light load. And that'll give you medium loads. will have five available gear slots and light will have three. Okay. All right. So with that decided, the next step is to decide the tactic for the mission. This is about how you approach the initial obstacles that might be in your way. It doesn't mean that you're going to approach the entire mission this in this manner, but definitely is the thing that sets the tone for the mission. So you have six options. The first is assault, which is open violence against the target. There's deception, which is luring, tricking, and manipulating the target. Scientific is about engaging with technological power. Social is when the squad negotiates with, bargains with, or persuades the target. 
Stealth is for taking action undetected. And transport is about carrying cargo and people through danger. Woody, obviously the last one kind of makes sense. But the other thing I was thinking about is the, what was the second and the third again? Deception and scientific. Yeah, all so those three, you know, deception, we're kind of, you know, we, we are all of our mechs are kind of, well, at least mine and Jake's are kind of like on the on down low, but then also scientific, we between you two, it's like makes sense, but then also just with the mission, just kind of carrying people and cargo. I, I really want to do, we should do the fog bank thing. You remember the fog bank thing I was telling you guys about? We should totally do the fog bank thing. The fog bank, we've been, it's not going to work. It doesn't <laughs> apply to this situation at all. I think it applies. What? We're going to like, you're going to launch it off and then we're just going to kind of walk through into the city? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, okay. I can see, I can see the merits of why it may work. I, you know what? Why not? I've been thinking to myself, I need to just let you all do your own thing sometimes. So let's go for it. Let's do the fog bank thingy. Wait, wait. He went for that way too easy. Um, (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Campbell, do you think we should, we, we have a, uh, so I'm sorry, Austin question. I feel like the fog bank thing is a, a physical deterrent. Is it the same as jamming their signals? Jamming their signals feels like it could be. Uh, sorry, jamming their their ability to see us. That sounds like a scientific thing or a deception thing. Oh, this this like fog bank thing, whatever it is, definitely <laughs> sounds like a scientific thing to me. Because once you pick a tactic, you then have to pick a detail. And so the detail for scientific tactics is the detail is the unusual procedures used. Okay. So that, that that whatever this fog bank thing might be, it definitely sounds like an unusual procedure. All right, I like we're, it. We're going scientific. <laughs> All right. So with your loadouts picked and your tactics picked and your detail pick, I guess the detail is the fog, fog bank, bank thing. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that might be. So now we do the engagement role. This determines what your starting situation is. So. Like other Forged in the Dark games, Beam Saber uses position and effect. Position is like how, uh, how secure you are in your action. It determines the severity of any consequences you might suffer if you roll less than a six on a roll. You might be in a desperate position if things are really bad, a risky position if things are you know going as expected as can be in a war, or you might be in a controlled position if you've got the jump on the opposition. So the engagement role tells us how things are going from the start. So you start off with one die for plain old luck. So we'll go through a question list to see how many dice you have by the end. So first up is, is the mission bold? No. Is it? What do y'all think? I think we're going to uh, essentially put up this digital cloud right? They won't be able to see it through the window because there's no actual cloud. But on their sensors, nobody within the fog bank is going to be able to see us. And we're going to roll right into town. I think that's quite bold. It's quite bold. Untested. So I would say bold. (laughs) Yeah. Using uh, actual mission for a field test does seem bold. Okay. So that's an additional die. Is the mission especially complex? Nope. No. 
Yeah, you're just sort of just rolling in there. There's not too many moving parts. Yep. The the only thing that could stop us is somebody's eyeballs. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can see us. It's just the sensors are blocked. I'm going to be your eye in the sky, letting you know when people are looking. Okay. All right. Uh, does the mission exploit the targets of vulnerabilities? Um, so I, I did a, a research, a recon check to see who's in what positions. And so... I can find a road that is particularly vulnerable. Yeah, I would say that between the research that Kodo and Gamble did, I would say you can take take advantage of uh, the patterns of, of uh, your opposition. So we'll give you another die for that. Is the mission's tactic ineffective against the target? TBD, TBD. <laughs> well, the, the Cult of Earthbound are not one of the more... Um, uh, technologically inclined squads of the Church of the Celestial Myriad. So they'll, they'll probably fall prey to your fog bank. If it was a different squad, it might be less effective, but you're good. Okay. Is the squad receiving external support for the mission? No, no one's reached out to any other squads for help. Uh, is anyone interfering with the mission other than the target? Yes. So that's going to be one fewer die. Uh, and then lastly, are there other factors affecting the mission? Take plus one die for each one that benefits the squad, minus one die if it hinders them. You're currently at two dice. We're not, we're not at two? We got, yes. we got bold, we got luck, and we got tactical advantage. But minus one for the uh, interference of the third party. Yeah. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. So is there anything else that y'all can benefit from or that might hinder you? I don't think so. Yeah, not time ahead. Yeah, I think everything might be accounted for. Yep. Okay, so that is two dice. So who wants to make the engagement roll? Pops. <laughs> okay, all right, we're all rolling really good, so I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yes! Did it, did <laughs> Another it. six. Oh. oh, boy. All right, getting those out of the way. I see. All right, so that'll give you all a controlled position as you uh, encounter your first obstacle. So what this looks like, I think, is that it's been, you all have been traveling for like two hours at this point from Journey City towards Hollington along the road. And it is time to go off road and around the checkpoint up ahead that you know about from your earlier reconnaissance. Uh, I'm guessing Kodo's, as, as he said, is going to be your eye in the sky. It's flying above the, uh, the, the convoy you've got set up. The doctors are traveling in uh, an APC, which has eight wheels and is, uh, you know, like protected from small arms fire. It's not going to survive any serious attack from a mech if things go real, real bad. Uh, but it, it'll survive a little couple hits. In spite of the image of the token I used, it does not actually have any guns on it and probably has a big symbol of the Doctors Beyond Stars, uh, which I believe is a caduceus on like a star field. Okay. So we're approaching the, you said we're approaching this checkpoint. Yeah, there's a, there's a checkpoint ahead, but y'all have an alternate route but you got to make sure that you know you don't you don't get spotted initially. So who wants to take the lead here to try and guide guide uh, 
the lot the convoy past this checkpoint unless you want to try and go through it which you'll still be in a controlled position and if you want to try and approach it from a a, a social perspective i think that actually you all i one of my contacts is beagle they're an offensive guard all right that i know uh and maybe beagle is one of the people here at this checkpoint okay so the rules for allies are that once per session, a pilot can declare they have, quote-unquote, an old friend who can help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This can be someone from the pilot's past, an NPC that has yet to be interacted with, or a previously declared ally. Describe the scenario of when you last saw them and make an action roll appropriate for those circumstances. So when was the last time you saw Beagle? Uh, it was before, before I was, it was like my last days in the DFS. He was trying to convince me not to go teach these kids out these rich kids he was saying i needed to do a few more years in the service get my retirement i was like no this is gonna be the next big thing and we was in the middle of a mission too all right so you can roll any action that is suitable for the last time you saw them whether that's battle because you're both in the middle of a fight or consort because you were having this friendly conversation with beagle even though battle, I only have one dice, I feel like it was battle. Like we were in a battle when we had this conversation. Okay, so let's find out how uh, how things are going with you and Beagle. Five, okay. Okay, so on a four to six, you're on good terms with the ally and they're likely to help you. But any role less than a six incurs consequences as appropriate to the position, which could relate to your past with the ally, the ally's current situation, or something unrelated to the ally. So how are you? So I guess maybe Beagle is one of the people working at this checkpoint. Yes. And how how do you reach out to them? You know what? I already had called him. I was telling him that we were going to be passing through. You know that he was saying that things weren't going to go great for me, you know, but you're kind of working at a checkpoint now. So let's let's reconnect when I roll on through. I want to I'm not teaching rich kids anymore. I got a couple I got a couple real, real spunky, you know, guys with some potential. I want to want them to meet. Okay, so with that in mind, uh, you are going to have a controlled consequence. What would be a good controlled consequence here? I know what it is. So I'm going to put a clock on the board, and that is going to be. We'll do a four tick clock, and it'll be called observers. And basically, when that clock fills, you have been located. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, 
You'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.